Hi, I'm Jackson Lewis, Technology Editor for CSP Magazine. Thank you for joining us here on At Your Convenience. Uh, here with me, I have Steve Holtz, the Content Director for the CSP. Steve, how are you doing? I'm good, Jackson. Thanks for having me. And uh, we are having some other guests here today. I hear you're talking to some folks about M&A. I am. So I don't think it's any surprise to anyone that it's been a really uh, busy year uh, or 2018 was a really busy year for mergers and acquisitions in the industry with things like 7-Eleven buying Sunoco stores, um, uh, Kroger's sites being bought up by EG Group and uh, Marathon Petroleum acquiring Endeavor, among other uh, deals that went down in, during the year. Um, but what struck me was at the CSP's Outlook Leadership Conference back in August, uh, the Raymond James group of, uh, of analysts did a session for us where they talked about what was going on in the M&A industry and kind of really underscored that we might be sitting on a bubble right now. So I wanted to get in touch with them and uh, uh, kind of dig into the details of that. So um, who we're going to have on the phone is uh, Scott Garfinkel and Roger Woodman. They're both managing directors of investment banking for Raymond James, and uh, they're going to dig deep for us. Sounds great. Let's hear what they have to say. I appreciate you having us. Um, you know, look, we've been advising clients of the convenience store industry for you know over 20 years, and I think it's safe to say that Scott and I have never seen the amount and velocity of convenience store assets trading in the industry as we've seen in recent years. Um, you know, it seems almost almost weekly that CSP is reporting the latest blockbuster transaction to hit the tape. You know, why is this happening? Uh, we we think there's a number of factors driving consolidation. Uh, there's Really, industry fundamentals uh, are very, very strong for our clients in this growth cycle. Strong gas margins and in-store profitability are allowing buyers to build cash to fund acquisitions and sellers to market themselves off of very strong financial performance. In addition, uh, evaluations for convenience store assets remain at record levels, which have clearly uh, motivated many to sell. Uh, and there are a number of supply and demand factors at work. Strategic buyers continue to have a voracious appetite for growth and are showing no signs of slowing down as they look to build scale. Meanwhile, even with all the recent activity, there still seems to be a scarcity of quality strategic assets relative to that demand. Mm -hmm. As we talk a lot about, capital remains readily available um, at a relatively low cost, making it easier to finance acquisitions and growth. And also a number of our clients are facing succession issues. And with no family members willing or able to run the business, many are using this cycle as an opportunity to sell. But really, Steve, the, the market window has been open to transact. So we think you know, a lot of our clients are just taking advantage of that window to explore a transaction. And we're not sure when, that current, when this current economic cycle will end and that window shuts. But when it does, we think M&A uh, in the industry will likely slow dramatically. So all of these factors that I discussed have been very supportive of a strong M&A market. And as I said, we, we don't really see signs of things slowing down, but eventually they will slow as the market and economy uh, ultimately cycles. Right. So who, who are you seeing doing the buying? It's not necessarily the same, same names we're used to uh, hearing. Is that right? Well, yes, uh, but I would say in addition to the large U.S. strategic operators who have historically been and continue to be extremely acquisitive, we've seen significant uh, amount of recent activity from foreign strategic uh, buyers, from private equity investors, and smaller regional operators as well. Uh, in terms of the foreign strategic buyers, we're talking about uh, – 
pretty large foreign companies who operate convenience store or fuel distribution businesses in their respective domestic markets, many with significant scale and expertise, but are looking to establish a presence here in the U.S. And some recent examples include EG Group out of Europe, NX and Copac out of South America, and Apple Green out of Ireland. Um, there are really a, a number of factors driving their interest here in the U.S., but, but often the growth opportunities abroad are, are somewhat relative, rel, uh, limited, somewhat limited relative to the size of the opportunity here in the U.S. Uh, the U.S. remains a very strong and stable economy and a, a great place to invest and diversify. In terms of the private equity uh, investors, I think, as you know, we're, we're talking about very large institutional investors with significant pools of capital, firms like Brookfield, Fortress and, and Brookwood, who have current investments in the space, and others like L. Catterton, Sun Capital, and Wellspring, who have previously inve invested in the sector. Um, Scott and I have been doing this a long time, and I think it's safe to say that we've never seen as much interest in the convenience store sector for institutional investors as we've seen lately. And there are a number of factors driving their interest as well. Uh, first, there's just a record amount of private equity capital. Uh, looking uh, to invest in good companies with strong management teams. So there's really uh, just significant demand for quality deals uh, from private equity investors. Uh, as I mentioned, the industry fundamentals remain very strong. Uh, the market remains highly fragmented, so there's a great opportunity to, to acquire and build scale and continue to consolidate. And the strong real estate component here really helps private equity investors uh, finance acquisitions, which they inevitably look to do. I think what's what's most interesting is to see the uh, larger uh, vertically integrated oil companies getting back into retail, primarily through uh, direct investment or joint venture arrangements. Most recently, we saw uh, BP announce its participation in the acquisition of Thorns with Arclight Capital. Uh, these types of investments and joint venture arrangements, I think, allow oil companies not only to lock up fuel supply over a long period of time, but importantly, allows them to share in uh, the store profits, which they gave up uh, when they divested these assets several years ago. And finally, as I mentioned, we've seen smaller regional chains be very competitive in recent transactions. Um, these operators are very hungry for growth and are often backed by very, very strong banking relationships anxious to put money to work and fund growth. So needless to say, Steve, there's just a diverse set of buyers out there looking to grow through acquisitions in today's market. And you mentioned near the beginning uh, that uh, buying multiples remains strong. Is is the fact that there are so many uh, buyers out there right now what's driving that? In terms of multiples, uh, you are correct. The, the you know the primary valuation metric in the convenience store interest industry is a uh, implied multiple of the purchase price or value of a deal to the EBITDA. But your, your question is pretty difficult to answer because every situation that we see, every company, every group of assets is different. And valuations is, is by no means a science. It's not one size fits all. You know, many factors come into play when determining value, the size of the transaction, the quality of the assets, the markets of operation, the amount of B real estate in the deal, what's the upside opportunity for a particular buyer, just to name a few. All of these impact what multiple a buyer might pay for a certain group of assets. Uh, but uh, as you spoke about earlier, over time, uh, we've had a, a, a good long stretch here of consolidation. Um, is there a risk? Um, could a bubble pop? We do think there are a number of factors that contribute to a slowdown uh, of the current cycle of consolidation. 
Um, as, as we talk a lot about at industry events and with our clients, there, there are a number of headwinds facing today's operators. Uh, these include rising operational costs, uh, secular demand declines, and fuel and tobacco, two very uh, important profit centers for our clients. Uh, the increased competition at every corner, uh, increasing regulatory environment, uh, potential industry disruptors, such as electric vehicles that we talk about. Uh, these types of headwinds come to mind, and, and as they begin to take hold, it's certainly going to impact profitability of the industry and, importantly, uh, value for any operator uh, who does not have a plan to address them and ultimately, Steve, may drive capital away from the industry. Um, another uh, risk factor we see is just uh, increasingly high valuations. They're just becoming harder to, to justify internally for corporate, corporate boards looking to allocate capital. There's just a limit. And at some point, high valuations uh, will make it impossible for buyers to meet certain minimum return thresholds. And when that happens, uh, we're going to see folks head to the sidelines and wait for things to normalize. In addition, uh, the cost of capital will continue to increase uh, as interest rates climb, as we do expect them to do over time, and that's going to make it more expensive for buyers, which also affects returns. Um, but overall, I think the, the biggest risk is a significant economic slowdown or a macroeconomic event which shuts off capital, um, not only to this industry but overall. And as we've seen in the past in down cycles, when capital dries up, M&A activity significantly slows down. Uh, the current economic cycle we've been in has lasted over 10 years, and it only takes one event or a series of events to trigger a downturn. And when that happens, as we've seen in the past, the desire to make acquisitions – the ability to fund acquisitions, the ability to pay uh, premium valuation in particular could go away for an extended period of time. Um, at Raymond James, as we talk about things and, and, and look out into the horizon, we don't see the acquisition cycle really slowing down in the near term. If anything, the pace of acquisitions may slow, but we think the drive to consolidate should continue for, uh, for some time to come. Great. So bringing it back to the retailer, um, what would your advice to – to, to that person be? Um, is now a time to sell? Is now a time to buy? Um, Scott, you got any ideas? Steve, I mean, I, you know, I always hate it when people say it depends, but uh, I think this is really a question where it, it depends on on the, the retailer that you're speaking of. Um, the fact of the matter is, with valuations where they are, if you're considering or a retailer is considering selling in the, in the near term, um, there's never been a better time to do it. Roger stated there's, there's more capital, um, more buyers, lower, lower interest rates, um, high multiples. So there's just never been a better time for somebody to sell if that's something that they want to do. And we, we take the position that we don't believe somebody can really, in the near term, outgrow the advantage of this high multiple environment will have on selling proceeds, seller proceeds. Um, so you just can't outgrow it in the short term. You know, that said, if somebody has a really strong business model, um, they're building new stores or they're really adept at acquiring stores and integrating them into their platform and getting the scale advantages from those, um, and they have a, a, a nice long-term time horizon, we think it makes sense to um, invest more um, and keep going. But um, 
those are the things that have to be evaluated. It's, it's, it's important to consider whether you have near-term liquidity plans. It's important to consider whether there's succession issues or who's going to run the business. Um, but, um, but once you take those factors into account, I think you've got an answer in the near term that this is a great seller. This is a great opportunity to sell. And um, otherwise, if you want to invest, you need to be in it definitely for the long term, and you need to really put your you need to put your money to work. There's not going to be a lot of near term liquidity because the expectation of the C store customer today and in the future is you know very large format, well-lit stores, great people greeting them, um, and, a, and a very good offering, particularly around food service. And that's, that's really going to take a lot of capital for many of the companies in the industry to, to sort of uh, meet that expectation. Yeah, as I look back over the last few uh, news flashes that we've had on CSP Daily News, it's, it's chains of seven stores, nine stores uh, that have been changing hands, and, and it seems to me those are retailers doing exactly what you're saying. They're, they're, they're seeing the opportunity um, and, and grabbing it before it's too late. Absolutely. All right. Well, uh, Scott and Roger, I want to thank you very much for joining me on At Your Convenience, and uh, uh, we'll talk to you next time. Thank Thanks you. for having us. Thank you. I'm joined with Greg Lindenberg, our corporate editor. Uh, Greg, we're talking about M&A today, and Casey's has been making a lot of growth moves lately. I mean, last year they uh, broke the threshold of 2,000 stores. They're definitely not slowing down. Uh, any predictions uh, on their end? Yeah, I, I really do predict something big is going to happen with Casey's in 2019. Uh, there's been some activist investors who've actually been pushing for a sale. Uh, I don't think that's going to happen. I think it's going to be the opposite. I think that there's going to be some acquisition uh, on the horizon. Um, uh, they recently, or fairly recently, opened up a, a second distribution center in Terre Haute, Indiana. And I've talked to a couple people at Casey's who have indicated that a third distribution center is in the works. It's, uh, it's on their uh, five-year plan already. Uh, now, whether that would be out west or in the southeast, I'm not quite sure. But I just have a feeling with, with that on the map that they're looking to grow. It seems like EG Group just burst on the scene. You know, they, I, I had never heard of them, and then suddenly they are, you know, one of the top ten convenience stores. Do you think they're going to continue to acquire chains like this? I do. They're, they're a pretty big name in the U.K., and they've been aggressively acquiring chains in Europe, uh, so it doesn't surprise me that uh, when they came into the U.S. market that they that they did it aggressively with more than one deal like this. And and I think that we haven't heard the last of, of uh, acquisitions from them. Certainly. And it, I also think it's, it's really interesting as uh, stores are, are coming out with different formats that uh, TA sold off its Minimart stores uh, to EG Group, and but now they're working on a, a, a similar, uh, well, I, I don't know how similar it is to the Minimart stores, but they're working on another small format uh, the concept. The TA Express. Yes, yes. Um, well, 
these were standalone convenience stores and the TA Express, even though it's a little bit smaller format, it's still essentially a truck stop. Right, right. Uh, with most of the same amenities, just on a little bit smaller footprint. So it, it's more of uh, an animal that they're familiar with than, than a standalone C store. Certainly makes sense. And, and EG Group, the, the Minute Mart uh, stores are more along the lines of what they're looking for then. Yeah, and they're, uh, um, they've been big in, uh, in food service in the UK. Mm. So I'm sure they'll continue to do that uh, with, with these stores in the United States. Certainly. Uh, it seems like the, you know, for lack of a better term, recipe for success here, so why not go through with it? And uh, the Thornton's BP deal is very interesting. So their uh, BP is essentially uh, uh, working in the background while and letting Thornton's largely do their own thing? Yeah, the, they're not going to change the brand, and uh, BP is mainly going to supply the stations, and uh, Arclight, uh, the private equity firm, is going to, to operate them. So what is what do you think is so popular about uh, getting back into retail again for uh, BP and a couple of other major oil players? I'm not quite sure, but I think that uh, uh, food service and just C-store operations in general have matured enough uh, that they're willing to take another shot at it. Uh, when it, it the co-branding of the past uh, for food service and uh, and convenience uh, it didn't work out so well, but but this new iteration of it, I think uh, chains are finding a lot more success with it, and, and so they may be uh, willing to dip their toes back in and and, uh, and try it again. Yeah, the business has certainly changed since they were selling stores off. Um, any other uh, predictions or things our listeners should look out for this next year? I think there's going to continue to be a lot of consolidation, although a lot of the top-tier players uh, who are up for grabs have been taken, so the, the deals are all going to move down the chain a bit to, uh, to some of the middle and lower-tier uh, C-store chains that uh, are still out there. So the, uh, the smaller store count chains are, might start seeing a little action, is what you're saying, on the M&A front? Yeah, I, I believe so. And if you look at something like uh, Giant Eagle acquiring Rickers 60 C-stores, uh, I think that's a good example. Absolutely. Uh, very excited to see where that goes. Uh, Greg, thank you very much for joining us on the show.